0: father we thank you for another day another day that you've woke us up lord that you've allowed us to live that you give us breath and life and lord you bless us in so many ways we thank you for our salvation in christ we thank you lord for our church family that we can get together break bread together and encourage one another fellowship get into your word lord that it would edify us and build us up and strengthen us in the faith lord and may it rebuke us and correct us lord when necessary and so be with us today help us lord to set our minds on you and not on the things of this world lord we pray that you would not only strengthen this church but that you would strengthen all of our brothers and sisters around the world that they would be encouraged today whatever they're going through lord trials tribulations persecution lord may your church shine as a bright light in this dark world may we win the loss for you So, Lord, be with us right now. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. May Christ be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Title of today's teaching is Bearing the Fruit of Self-Control. Bearing the Fruit of Self-Control. We're now concluding our series on all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says fruit, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self- control so fruit it says fruit, singular, I say plural fruits when we're talking about them collectively, but it's been a time of introspection and self examination and taking these spiritual tests week after week as we're looking at each individual fruit, and we're seeing if we look like Jesus in each of these fruits in our lives and we want to grow in these fruits, right? We want to grow in love. We want to grow in kindness. We want to grow in gentleness. Today we're talking about how can we grow in self-control. And the scripture tells us that apart from Jesus and apart from the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're doomed. We can't grow. We can't do any of these things that we're talking about today or any of these, any the things in the Christian life. It's all through the Holy Spirit. When we turn from our sin, when we embrace Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12:13. 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything or anything of spiritual value. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to conquer sin in our lives and to bear fruit that is pleasing to God. The more we walk in him, the more we live by the Spirit, the more we yield to the Spirit, the more fruit we bear. The more loving we become, the more kind we become, the more peace rules in our hearts, the more patient and kind good faithful gentle self-controlled people we are in this world the more we become like Jesus Christ here's a question I have for you today does anyone here like eating a black mushy banana probably not hopefully you don't have to raise your hand to a couple of these questions we're talking about fruit how about a crumbly apple I've talked about this before like a crumbly apple you bite into it and it's just really mushy I don't know Hopefully not. Um, That actually happened to me yesterday. I was talking to Leah and I bit into one of the kids' apples that they sliced up and I thought it was a good apple and it was just like mush. It just mushed in my mouth. And I just, I told her this will be good for my teaching tomorrow. This is a great illustration for what I'm going to be talking about. And so bad fruit disgusts us. At least it disgusts me. Bad fruit in our life, spiritually speaking, should disgust us as well. Some of us are good at looking at fruit in other people's lives, right? we, We can tell you all the bad fruit in those closest to us, but when it comes to the own fruit that we're bearing, we need to hold up the mirror of God's word and really take a look and see how we're doing. It should grieve our hearts if we're not living up to the model left for us in Scripture. And if we're not bearing good fruit, it's telling us, that the flesh is getting an upper hand in our lives. It's a sign that we're quenching the spirit. Quenching the spirit means to extinguish the spirit, to stifle the spirit. Think of a hose that's, water's flowing out of it and you step on it. That's a good illustration of what it means to quench the spirit, to not be filled with the spirit. And so it's a sign that our minds have drifted that we've drifted from that of the Spirit. And that's what it says in Romans chapter 8. The mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. It's a sign that our walks with the Lord aren't what they should be. And perhaps we've drifted from Him. Does anyone here go to the grocery store and if you're looking for fruit, you just grab the first fruit that you see. You don't do a test. You grab some of av- avocados like Leah sends me to the store. I have a long list. It's so hard to get through all the things on that list. Sometimes there's so many things, but it's worth it because she's cooking certain meals. And if I miss one thing, if I miss the onions or if I miss this or that, it's going to throw the whole meal off. So I'm going down the list. I'm in the fruit aisle. I'm checking it all, trying to make sure I get those avocados that are firm, but not too firm. And you're sitting there inspecting them all. At least that's what I do. I don't know many people that just walk up and throw avocados into a bag. Whatever bananas you see, the watermelon, do you do that test where you thump it? You, you listen, you see if there's those bee sting-looking things on it, whatever that is. I actually looked that up online, because I'm like, what? I've been told if there's a lot of those, the watermelon's good. But they're not bee stings, according to one article I read. It's something to do with bees, but nevertheless, if there's a lot of those yellow markings on the watermelon, it's probably going to be a better one, if, from what I've been told. But we do these inspections, at least I do. Hopefully you do too, so you don't bring home bad fruit and you spend a lot of money with inflation, fruits going up, like eggs and everything else. But we do these inspections, right? And that's what we've been talking about for weeks. We're inspecting the fruit, the spiritual fruit in our lives. We're looking at it to see if it's good. Today we're talking about self-control. How is the fruit of self-control in your life and in my life. And this is something that we're tested almost daily in, um, almost tangibly. As I was putting together this teaching, one of the pens that I was using ran out of ink. And I was at this really good point, and really good points don't come into my mind very often. So when they do, I'm writing them down. And I was writing this one down, and the pen just ran out of ink. And I go, that's okay, I have like three other pens right there on the desk. I tried all three. All three were out of ink as well, believe it or not. And I have this point I want to write down. So I'm running into the kitchen. I'm looking in drawers. I'm asking Leah, where are the pens? Surely there is a black pen in this house somewhere. I couldn't find one. And Lisa McFall actually bought me pens for Christmas, which this was one of the pens, and there was a pack of like 10 more somewhere. I could not find it. I'm going through drawers. I'm asking Leah, I'm getting frustrated and I'm doing a teaching on self-control God's he it's funny right sometimes how he works in our lives and I'm like don't get angry but literally for like five minutes I couldn't find a pen I'm like it's like I have to buy hundreds of pens I guess and just put them all around the house so when times like this happen nevertheless I finally found a pen and guess what that one after like an hour or two stopped working as well so either i write a lot or the pens some of the pens we've bought in the past are junk i don't know nevertheless i was able to hold it together for the most part but even little things like that can turn into huge things i mean if that might have happened 20 years ago when i wasn't really following the lord i might have thrown things i might have i might have wrecked that room i don't know what i would have done and we are tested every day in different ways even driving to church I was thinking, you know, people in Idaho, they don't drive like people in California, even though a lot of Californians have come up here, they're not tailgating me as much up here, they're not cutting me off and there's some bad driver maybe you have different experiences. But then I was almost here and someone was going like thirty five and a fifty five. And I'm like, What is going on? Like maybe your car's not working properly, I don't know what it is, but I started to get even frustrated at that. And so all these different tests throughout our days, and it could be big things it could be little things self-control we are all tested in this fruit of the Holy Spirit when we go through these tests they show us what's inside of our hearts Proverbs 423 watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life Proverbs 1632 says who he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Proverbs twenty five twenty-eight Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who does not control his temper. We must remember that the same power, the same spirit, the scripture tells us that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. ROMANS ROMANS eight eleven The power to practice self-control in our lives does not come from our own strength. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The power also not only to overcome anger, but to overcome greed, to overcome jealousy, bitterness, pride, lust, whatever fleshly desire you can think of, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to overcome these things in our lives. It's the same power that dwelt in the apostles. When you read through the book of Acts, these apostles were unstoppable. Nothing could get in their way. They were completely filled and directed by the Holy Spirit. When you read about Stephen in Acts chapter 6 through Acts chapter 7, listen to what it says in Acts 6 verse 8. Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Full of power. Verse 10 says they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking i love that here's these trained pharisees sadducees religious leaders trained in the law they knew the old testament like the back of their hand they were unable to cope with stephen and his wisdom because of the power of the holy spirit within him amazing you get to acts chapter seven acts chapter six the last half into chapter seven he gives them this long explanation it's like story time the Old Testament, he breaks all these things down. Then he actually tells them, you stiff-necked men, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit, the very spirit that he was filled with, they were resisting. And so what do they do? They gnash at their teeth, they pick up rocks, they stone him to death. Bef- before they murder him, this is what Stephen says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Self control is very closely united to what we talked about last week gentleness, right? Power under control, responding with kindness. And so, what does Stephen do here? He responds with gentleness, he controls himself. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do we say that to people in our lives, in our marriages, friendships, people at church? People that give us reason to be angry, to be bitter, to be envious. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It's an amazing example. He was following in the footsteps of Jesus. When I used to work at the rescue mission, the Ventura County Rescue Mission, Oxnard, the men that would come into the doors at the mission, I would plead with these men, right? They, some of them only own the shirt on their backs, coming from broken families, out of prison, off the streets. These guys were not in. A good situation. Many of these guys, and I say many because five to ten of them, in two years that I was there, overdosed on drugs, died. Guys that I personally was mentoring, guys that I was counseling, guys that I was encouraging in the faith, guys that I interviewed for the program, at least probably closer to ten passed away in two years while I was there. So I knew the reality of what was going on right in front of me. And when I got the opportunity to preach, I preached with all my heart. And I poured my life into these guys knowing that within a day or two, some of them might not be there. And that was a fact. And so I would plead with these men to turn to Jesus Christ and live. I would share the gospel. I would preach the word of God the best I could. And I would tell them, I refuse to believe that Jesus Christ cannot transform your life. I refuse to believe that if you turn to Christ, that the Holy Spirit cannot come into your life and radically change you from the inside out from the inside out i refuse to believe that drugs alcohol pornography greed whatever it is in your life that you've gone through are going through whatever sin it is that's grabbing a hold of your heart i refuse to believe that the holy spirit cannot break these bonds in your life and by God's grace, I got to baptize some of them. By God's grace, sometimes guys would come up crying while I was preaching, and I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. By God's grace, some of them still text me regularly. One of them sends me scriptures almost every day. Praise God! I got to see a little bit of fruit, and I got a lot. Of, I got to see a lot of destruction too. And God, who knows what He'll continue to do in the days ahead? We just plant seeds. We're like the farmer. We're just throwing out seeds, hoping it's falling on good soil. But that's the key to the teaching today is I refuse to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives cannot break whatever bonds it is that are holding us captive. So, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us more than what we ask or think abundantly beyond all that we ask or think if we ask God to help us to overcome anger in our life if we ask God to help us overcome lust in our life or greed in our life or pride in our life or jealousy or strife will God not do abundantly abundantly exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think I believe so the greek word for self-control in galatians 5 23 it's en kratia it's two greek words combined en meaning in or in the sphere of and kratos meaning dominion mastery inward mastery inward dominion true mastery from within it speaks of the person who is able to be led by the holy spirit and overcome the flesh crucify the flesh subdue the flesh the Greek word is only used in three places in the scripture. Acts twenty four twenty five, Galatians five twenty three, where the fruits of the Holy Spirit are listed and then 2 Peter 1, 6. So I want to take you to the two other times that this Greek word is mentioned. So in Acts 24, 25, let me just give you a little background. A- in Acts 23, we're told that 40 Jews come together and make this oath and they say, we're not going to eat, we're not going to drink until... Paul is killed. They hated Paul so much. Paul was spreading the gospel. Here's this radical, see, if God can transform Paul's life, a Pharisee who was killing Christians, hunting them down, zealous for what he thought was the true faith, Judaism, if God can transform his life, and he says, I'm the chief of sinners, see, I have hope that God can transform anyone's life. Awesome. It's an awesome testimony of God's grace. And the Jewish people hated Paul. So 40 of them get together. They sign this oath. And we know that Paul kept living. So I wonder when they finally started eating and drinking. I wonder if all 40 of them just went the 40 days and all died. I don't know what happened with them. But nevertheless, Paul's nephew got word of this oath. His sister's son, I think it was, got word that they formed this oath. And so Paul at the time was in shackles, this commander roman commander in charge of a thousand soldiers had paul bound the nephew runs over to the commander and tells him and the commander goes oh okay and so the commander sends an escort with paul paul needs to be escorted to caesarea to testify under felix the governor and so the commander says okay we need to get him an escort we need to get him a good escort so that these jewish people don't kill him on the way if you know the story here's the escort 200 soldiers 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen not bad right he's going to make sure that paul's not killed on the way he could have given him a couple soldiers no 200 soldiers 70 horsemen 200 spearmen this is found in towards the end of acts chapter 23 why did paul get such an entourage here's this poor christian guy spreading the gospel why did this roman commander do that I think it's because Paul was a Roman citizen. Pulled out that Roman citizen card and he said, okay, yep, you're going to get, you know, this is like first class, okay? You're a Roman citizen. We're going to make sure that you're escorted safely. They had special rights that others didn't. So you get to Acts 24. Paul arrives safely to Caesarea. He testifies before Felix. And a couple days later, Felix calls him in and says, I want to hear more. I want to hear more about this Jesus tell me more so Paul's explaining Jesus to him and then in Acts 24 25 this is what it says and he that's Paul was discussing righteousness self-control and judgment to come Felix became frightened and said go away for the present and when I find time I will summon you it seemed that the message of Jesus intrigued Felix Maybe Paul was telling of the miracles, maybe the resurrection, and Felix was listening. Until the point where it came to talk about righteousness, self-control, judgment. Wait a second, I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to talk about life change. I just want to hear about Jesus. Or maybe even, I'll believe in Jesus. We see that today. People say, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to hear about Jesus. But when it comes to talk, time to talk about self-control, self-control, actually living for him, not living like the world, well, then that's a different story. Many people respond like Felix. Oh, I'll talk to you later about these things. History tells us that Felix was in an adulterous relationship. Felix, according to the Roman historian Tacitus, was cruel, licentious, and base. We're told in the next fo- in the following verses after verse 25 that Felix kept Paul in prison because he was hoping for a bribe. He was hoping that someone would give a lot of money to him to let Paul out. And so he didn't. So for several years, Paul stayed in prison. And so Felix did not want to hear about self-control. Hopefully that's nobody here today. Second Peter 1.6. Here's the other instance in the New Testament where the same Greek word found in Galatians 5.23 is found. If you'll turn with me to second peter i want to read the first i don't know 15 verses or so before we read these verses let me just give you a quick background into second peter second peter is a call to remembrance it's a reminder this letter is a reminder on how to live the christian life and to do it through the power that is at work within us it's a reminder to grow in godliness. It's a reminder that false teachers will lead people to follow sensual desires. He spends a whole chapter, chapter 2, breaking down false teachers. Let me actually share with you what he says about false teachers in chapter 2. He says they'll, they'll lead people into sensuality. They're greedy. They speak false words. They're unreasoning animals. He has all these descriptions of these false teachers they have no knowledge their stains and blemishes eyes full of adultery they never cease from sin their springs without water they're arrogant fleshly slaves of corruption entangled for whom the blackness of darkness has been reserved forever peter's saying mark them out know who they are don't follow them this is the opposite of self-control they're just doing whatever they feel like they're doing whatever they want do what thou will right that's the whole of the law they're basically living like sa- Satanists, but proclaiming a form of godliness, proclaiming some sort of gospel, proclaiming some sort of Christ message, yet tacked on with all these fleshly desires. Don't follow them. Don't live like that. Peter tells us how to live in chapter 1. In chapter 3, he tells us about the promises of God, how these false teachers and the ungodly will be destroyed. Yet, God is not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. That's what we're told in chapter 3. Let's look at chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, he bonds servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith Supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control in your self-control perseverance in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted having forgotten his purification from his former sins therefore brethren be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice these things you will never stumble for in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you therefore I shall always be ready to remind you of these things even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. And I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you may be able to call these things to mind. Peter's saying, remember these things. Dwell on these things. Be diligent to increase in these qualities listed. He even says in chapter 3, verse 1, again, I am writing to you to stir you up by way of reminder. This is a letter of reminding, remembrance. Remember these things. Remember to grow in these attributes. And one of them listed, of course, is self-control. According to stewardshiplibrary.com, the word remember is used over 1,200 times in Scripture. The word forget is used over 300 times. Now, I didn't have time to count, but that seems like a little bit much. 1,200 times the word remember is used in the Bible. If any of you have time this week, count it all out for me and let me know. I know it's a lot because we are forgetful people. Throughout the whole Old Testament, that's what God is telling The Israelites, remember what I did for you. Remember how I rescued you out of Egypt. Remember how I parted the Red Sea. Remember my faithfulness. Remember my faithfulness because they were so forgetful and we're so forgetful as well. And Peter knows that. The Holy Spirit knows that. And so he gives us his word so that we can grow in godliness, grow in holiness, grow in Christ-likeness. So he tells us to be diligent, to pursue these things, to practice these things so that we will never stumble. That should be our goal. This is like our our game plan, like our playbook. These are the things that we should be looking over. Self-control is listed. And in verse 3, that's a key verse here in this passage. Verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I refuse to believe that verse 3 is not true. Or a positive way to put it, I'm believing, trusting, preaching, pleading that when you submit your life to Jesus Christ, when you have faith in him, as it says in verse 1, and when you grow in the knowledge of Christ, as it says in verse 2, that his divine power, his Holy Spirit within us grants us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I don't know how many people I've run into I just can't quit drugs Chaplain Nick They call me Chaplain Nick At the rescue mission I just can't quit drugs I just can't I'm just an angry person That's just who I am This happened to me When I was five years old This happened to me When I was ten years old So uh, this is just who I am I'm just going to go live On Skid Row in LA That's just what I'm going to do People like me Who have done meth For ten, fifteen years That's just what we do The rest of our life We can't find freedom Sorry I said no I look him right in the face. No, I don't believe it. I do not believe that. His divine power has granted to you and I, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you turn from sin and say, Lord, I want to follow you, his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You can be a godly man or woman through the power within you, through the Holy Spirit, not in your own strength. And what I came to find out was many of these people didn't really want to turn from sin. They didn't really want to give up drugs. They didn't really want to follow the Lord. That was really the crux of the issue. They wanted to live in sin. And so that's what we have to ask ourselves today is do I really want to grow in self-control? Do I really want to give up these sins that I've been struggling with? Maybe for a couple weeks, maybe for a couple months, maybe for years. Am I willing to really give it over to the lord and allow his holy spirit to work in my life and so this was the verse i quoted to my old boss as they're bringing in new curriculums new psychology new studies new tests see that these are the things the men really need if they really want to live godly lives if they really want to have self-control if they really want to give up drugs they need this new book they need this new curriculum. They need this new medication. They need this new thing or that new thing. Can a curriculum help? Can a book help? Can counseling help? Absolutely. If it's in line with scripture, yeah, a lot of these things can be of benefit. But when these things begin to take center stage and push the Holy Spirit to the side, now we're in trouble. And that's the direction that many places, many people, many churches, rescue missions are going it's like a pseudo gnosticism. I don't know what to call it, but it's like if we just have this new knowledge, th- these new ideas, this new twelve-step program, this new plan. If we just have this, then we can really practice self-control. Then we can really be godly. The Christian suf- The Christian church suffered for t- almost two thousand years until now. Till now we have celebrate recovery. Till now we have this curriculum or that curriculum. I don't know how the apostles did it. I don't know how the Christians in the book of Acts did it because they didn't have all these programs. But somehow they turned the world upside down for the gospel. Somehow they were living Christ-like holy lives and it says of Stephen, his face was like an angel in their presence. He was pure in heart, responding with gentleness, practicing self-control. So, his divine power, memorize that verse, his divine power, Power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. What many people are saying today is his his divine power is not strong enough. They're not saying those words, but in practice, in action, they're saying those words by the way they're living. So, how do we win the battle to be self-controlled in this wicked day we live listen to what McLaren's exposition exposition has to say about verse 3 he says the foundation of the injunction is God has given you everything you have got it to begin with and so do you set yourself to work and to see that you make the thing that is yours your own and incorporate into your being and into the very substance of your soul and work out in all the blessed activities of the Christian life the gifts that his royal and kingly hand has bestowed upon you. Take for granted that God loves you and gives you his whole self and work on in the fullness of his possessed gift. And I've mentioned that these last couple of weeks have we, as we've been going through this study. God has given us everything, right? It starts with him. It starts with we already have the victory. It starts with we already are saved. It starts from a place of Christ is on the throne Christ conquered the grave Christ has saved me so from that and the power of the Holy Spirit working in me now I work out my salvation with fear and trembling God is at work in you so work out your salvation with fear and trembling and that's what McLaren is saying here his divine has granted you everything pertaining to life and godliness so now be diligent to pursue these things now increase in these things now grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit not of a place of having to earn God's favor to earn his love to work your way up to him I think he later on says in this exposition like pushing a boulder up to him no it's like we're going downhill in a sense from a place of victory a place of ease with the Holy Spirit living in us according to one article I read it takes 20,000 million pounds of TNT to blow up Mount Everest 20,000 million pounds quite a bit you say why do I bring that up imagine that you have that power you have the power and I looked it up TNT is different than dynamite I thought they were the same thing they're actually different nevertheless you have that much power you have a molehill in front of you and you're afraid I don't know if I have the power to blow this over to blow this up silly analogy illustration but that's how some Christians walk with the Lord I just don't know if I have the power to overcome these things in my life who's stronger God or 20 billion trillion whatever amount of pounds of TNT that you want to put over here on this side of the scale and then you have God who's infinitely more powerful and great and strong and he lives with us and in us and says that we can overcome anything in our lives through his spirit so Galatians 5:16. but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh walk by the spirit you will not carry out the desires of the flesh the two are in opposition to one another if you are filled with the spirit if you are walking in the spirit living with the spirit if your minds on the spirit you will not carry out the desires of the flesh you won't many of us stumble into the flesh because we're not being filled with the Spirit. We're not yielding to the Spirit. We're not praying without ceasing. We're not rejoicing always. We're not praying without ceasing. We're not in everything giving thanks. We're not submitting our lives fully to the Lord. It's not that we need some book or we need some curriculum or we need some counseling. That plays a role. Some of those things can help. What I'm trying to say in this message is we're diminishing, I believe, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives too many times we need to submit our lives fully to him so God willing we spend the rest of our lives one day at a time applying all diligence through the Holy Spirit within us growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ to live self controlled lives for him that's what undergirds all of these messages. The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in your heart and my heart today. So in closing, as I get ready to close, one of my favorite illustrations from the Scripture, 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four through 27, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it every athlete practices self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable wreath we do it to receive an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly I do not box as if one beating the air I beat down my body I make it my slave so after preaching to others I myself will not be disqualified I love these verses Paul's saying an athlete practices self-control in all things. I've given studies on these verses sharing Michael Phelps and his daily regimen and how many hours a day he swims in the pool and how many calories he eats and he makes sure he has a certain amount of nap time and I think he does it in a hyperbaric chamber or an oxygenated room. He has counselors around him, people encouraging him. He started swimming at age six. He put 10,000 hours of swimming in with in a couple years because they say if you want to be great you need to at least hit that 10,000 hour mark from age 11 to 16 he didn't miss a day in the pool every single day of the year birthdays whatever swimming every single day he wanted to be the greatest and perhaps he was the greatest Olympian at least the greatest swimmer of all time he practiced self-control day in day out and when you look at many Olympians many that have got the gold medal or even placed, even to make the Olympics, the amount of self-control that they exert, that they put into this, is amazing. Paul's saying they practice self-control in all things. They do it for a perishable wreath. They do it for a perishable gold medal. It's worth $750. I looked up last night. 90-something percent of it's silver anyways. It's not even gold. It's gold-plated, but that's going to perish Paul's saying, I'm, go- I'm working for the imperishable here. I'm going to be crowned by King Jesus one day. I'm not going to allow them to practice more self-control than I am. Is that how we live our Christian lives? Are we willing to have that level of self-control to grow in holiness, to grow in godliness? You say, man, that's a high standard. When you look at what an athlete like Michael Phelps does, and you're saying, as a Christian, I need to have that level of self-control? I don't know. It seems like that's what Paul's saying. The difference is we're not working in the same way Phelps and all these other people. We're submitting to the Holy Spirit. We're yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're resting in him. And when we do, he provides the self-control that we need. So what's more important, an Olympic marathon or the Christian race? What's more important, this boxing match that Paul's speaking of or fighting the good fight of faith what's more important being crowned by man or being crowned by the king of kings He might say I'm fighting I'm running I'm boxing I'm tired I'm weary I'm weak I love Romans eight twenty six. the spirit also helps our weakness we do not know how to pray as we ought to but the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words see even at times when you don't know how to pray God knows your heart if you say Lord I want to live a self-controlled life for you I want to surrender my life to you I want to give it all to you you might not even know how to say certain things to the Lord the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words do you see the Holy Spirit's there to comfort, to encourage, to pray, to help the question is are we quenching him or are we yielding to him? You might say, I'm really struggling, though. I love Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Sang it in church as a kid. Ah, oh Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for our God. Do you believe that today? I do. His divine power is has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your truth, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have given to us, Lord. The spirit that comforts us and encourages us and strengthens us and gives us the power, Lord, that we need. I pray, Lord, that you would break the bonds, the strongholds, whatever it may be, Lord, in our lives. You know, Lord anger lust pride whatever it is in this room lord give us freedom through the power of your holy spirit help us lord day by day to yield to the holy spirit to pray in the spirit to submit to live by the spirit lord and when we go astray to a certain extent our, our walks aren't what they should be lord i pray that you redirect us that you turn us back keep us on that straight and narrow Bring brothers and sisters, Lord, alongside of us to encourage us, to build us up, Lord, in the faith. Help us to realize, Lord, that we're in this together. There's no lone ranger Christians, Lord, that we need to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, Lord. So we look to you, we thank you, Lord, and we thank you that all of this is rooted in the gospel, that apart from Jesus Christ, we're nothing and what he did on the cross for us. So we prepare our hearts now for communion and we love you in Jesus' name, amen.